glad to be here and to be able to share um, about grief, about managing grief um, in this uh, day and season that we're in. We know this is a time of um, a lot of people are grieving, as uh, Minister Corey had mentioned. A lot of people are um, grieving and not just your typical grief. And because and, and, a lot of times we think about grief, we think about because of bereavement, uh, because we've lost somebody. Um, so we're going to um, go into the uh, presentation here just to tell a little bit about myself and to uh, share with the people as well, too, those who are watching online who may not be uh, familiar with me. So uh, welcome to um, New Covenant Church's uh, hub, caregiver partner uh, support group. We're going to talk about managing grief and loss. And on the next slide, um, just kind of tells a little bit about myself, which actually Minister Corey uh, did a job, good job of doing of the introduction, but just want to share some information from this. Um, it just says, hello, friend. Grief is a universal experience. And in the words of Miss Dora Carpenter, uh, we grieve because we loved. We grieve because we loved. It's essential to recognize and honor our grief. It's okay to not be okay. But it's equally important to know that healing is right ahead and within your reach. So a lot of my business, my model for my business is grieve with intention, heal forward, live purposefully because grief should serve you. I always ask the question, how is grief serving you? You can choose to allow it to serve you for the good or the evil. And we'll talk about it um, here on this next slide and kind of get a definition of what grief is. Grief is a natural response to loss. Again, grief is a natural response to loss. And I wanted to repeat that because a lot of times you'll find people are afraid to grieve. They feel like I'm weak if I do grieve. You know, do I, have I lost my faith in God because I'm crying, because I'm hurting? And we forget that he said he is um, acquainted with grief. He's a man of sorrows. So he knows grief. He's felt grief. He's felt pain. And so God is not exempt uh, for what we're feeling. Grief is a natural response to loss. And grief, everyone's grief looks a little bit different um, based on what the circumstance may be. Um, because some people cry a lot, and that's for them, that's their grief. Some people may feel relief, that's their grief. Some people may overspend. There's many ways that grief can show up, and we may not know it's grief. So we're going to talk about that um, tonight because we want to look at the many facets of grief because it's not... Um, it's not where it's just even killed across the board. It's not just the one answer for everyone and how everyone grieves. So when I um, look here too, it says about grief is a natural response to lo uh, loss. And grief can be caused by suffering. It's the emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you love has been taken away. Often the pain of loss can feel overwhelming Again, we grieve because we loved. And then on the next slide here, um, what can provoke or cause grief? Again, we are always think about death. But not only is it death, it could be divorce. 
It could be separation. It could be a breakup or other intimate um, loss or relational loss, like a friendship breaking up. It could be a job loss. That causes grief because now you don't know where your next pay is coming and you still have the, the bills are still coming, but where's your money? That's a loss. That's a grief. Pet loss. You know, any of us who own fur babies, we know, you know, they become like family to you and, and, and they become attached to you. They know you, you know them. And that's a loss that we have permission to grieve over. Because a lot of times people will tell us, oh, it's just the animals, just the pet. No, he was family. She was family. So pet loss, changing circumstances. If you move to a new city or there's a change in some kind of status, which can force loss of your previous support. You move or you have to relocate to another city. Now everybody and everything you knew is now gone. And you have to start over again. That's a grief. Caregiving, health challenges, watching our loved ones every day, taking care of them, watching their decline, their health decline, the mental decline. That's a grief. And this list is not all inclusive, but these are some examples of things that could provoke or cause grief in our lives. And then on the next slide, we're going to talk about um, some of the things um, and the common emotions that we experience during grief. Because again, it looks different for everyone. So just because someone may not display what we may think is the typical form of grief doesn't mean they're not grieving. So some of those um, things that you may feel are um, one of the emotions is relief. And some people may feel, well, why would I be relieved while I'm going through grief? Well, if you've been caregiving for a long time or you've been taking care of someone, it's a, you realize that you love your loved one, but it's also hard work being a caregiver. And so, and, and if you've ever experienced having to watch someone decline day by day by day, that's mentally taxing. It's emotionally burdensome. So when then the moment comes, they do take their final breath. It's a relief off of you, a relief because not so much that you didn't want to te- te- excuse me, keep taking care of them, but it's a relief, okay, it's finally happened, I can stop anticipating it. There's a relief because now that fear of the unknown of when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. So there's an initial relief. Doesn't mean that that's a form of grief. The next one um, is in shock. Sometimes you're, you're, you can't believe it. It's like, what happened? You know, is, is this real? Am I awake? Am, am I really experiencing this? Did this really happen? You're in shock mode. That's a form of grief. Uh, an emotion, excuse me, that you experience during grief. Sadness, which we all are more familiar with. Sadness. Anger comes up. Frustration. You know, why did this happen? You know, why did they have to get sick? Why didn't the Lord take me instead of them? Why did my child have to feel this? Why did my husband leave me? Why did my wife divorce me? All of those things. Why did I lose this job? All of these things can cause anger in us. And when, and when I talk about anger, I want to be careful to the mention that God is not shocked, nor is he intimidated when we're angry. And a lot of times we think, oh, God is not going, he's going to be upset with me. He's not going to receive me anymore because I'm upset. No, he is acquainted with all of our ways. 
He said he's acquainted with them. So he knew you were going to be upset. He knew that situation was going to happen. God is now in shock. Now, we are caught off guard sometimes by what happened, but God is never caught off guard. So if you are having an emotional moment and you're feeling that grief, it's okay to tell God, God, I'm angry. I don't like that this happened. It doesn't mean I stop believing God. God, I'm having a human moment. And you know that I'm human, God. And you've made, um, you made grace essential and available for me when I need those moments. That's what grace is for. It's the unmerited favor of God that allows us to be human. Another one may be disbelief. Again, that kind of runs into shock. You don't know what happened, um, and you're still trying to wrap your mind about the changes that have taken place. Guilt is a big one. That is a common emotion experienced during grief. Why am I feeling relieved? Why don't I feel sadder than I should have been? Was there anything else I could have done to help them? Is there anything I could have stopped this marriage from breaking up? What could I have done better? Guilt. A lot of times we feel that when we're experiencing grief. Anxiety. We're anxious now. We're all over the place. We're here, there, and everywhere. And sometimes it may show up in us being busy, 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 that we don't give ourselves time to slow down enough to feel what we need to feel. But we're going to talk about that um, because that's going to help us with our grief. Numbness. Sometimes, again, you're in shock. You don't, you're on autopilot. You're just here. And it's like, what? Like, okay, I'm waking up. I'm here. That's numbness. And, and feeling those things because of grief. So, so those are some of the emotions that are more common. Again, that list is not all-inclusive. So there are other things you may feel during grief. And so on the next slide, we're going to talk about unresolved grief and its impact to our health. So what happens when we don't acknowledge our grief? What are the potential things that can happen? One of those is depression. Depression can come upon us because now we're not acknowledging our grief. We won't allow ourselves to feel what we need to feel. We won't allow ourselves to cry. We won't allow ourselves to talk about it. So all of these emotions have to have somewhere and some kind of outlet. And even if you don't respond verbally, it's going, your body is going to still respond to that emotion. So it's going to show up mentally and impact you. Again, anxiety and stress, another uh, mental health um, issue that can impact us when we don't allow ourselves to resolve our grief and manage our grief. Unintended weight loss or weight gain. Now, some of us might be like, okay, well, that is, that's not too bad. I was trying to lose a few pounds. I was trying to gain a few. But when we're looking at how, if it's related to grief, it's, um, it's, we have to make sure that we're watching that. Because a lot of times when we are depressed because of grief, we tend to overeat. And we know that obesity is an issue everywhere. It's an um, issue even in the church. People are dying before their time because we're not taking care of ourselves like we should. So we have to be careful even when we're grieving. Even though you may need to pick up you know, something to snack on, make sure it's something healthy that's going to help you because you don't want to add that um, on top of the grief, the emotional part of grief that you're going through. And then I just said it, premature death. We don't think about it. When we don't deal with our grief, again, those emotions have to go somewhere in your body. It shows up in high blood pressure. 
it shows up in, in increase in um, anxiety. All of those things are a toil on our physical bodies and eventually it will cause your body to break down. Cardiomyopathy, also known as the broken heart syndrome, is a result of holding in a lot of that stress, not dealing with the stress, not dealing with the grief of your broken heart. And so some of, these are some of the things, and again, this list is not all inclusive um, when we talk about dealing with grief. And so on our next slide, we're gonna talk um, even more so about the potential risk or complications in not actively managing grief. So we kind of touched on a few of these points already. We talked about premature death um, coming, dying before our time because of heartbreak, uh, financial grief, debt, because we don't deal with it in the healthy sense, we begin to overspend. Now we've added financial debt um, to ourselves, depression and anxiety, and then insomnia. Um, and again, this list is not all inclusive, but these are some potential risks of not um, actively managing our grief. And when grief com becomes complicated, I know a lot of times we hear the saying that no one can tell you how long you should grieve. We often hear that all the time. Um, but science does state that if there's a prolonged grief comes typically after six months. If we're still feeling like that loss happened just yesterday, we're six months, a year in and over, and it's still impacting our daily lives, then we need to seek out help. We need to get help so that we can deal with that because then that grief has turned into complicated grief. And that has um, help, can cause serious health complications, including death as well too. And we, and we know the scripture, um, it tells us weeping may endure for a night. That's how long mourning was supposed to take, a night. It wasn't meant to go with us for a lifetime. And this is where we're talking about knowing how to navigate our grief, knowing how to let it be integrated in our lives where we're moving forward, but we're healing forward with another perspective. And then on our next slide here, how to begin to acknowledge your grief. Well, first, let's be honest. Let's talk about it. Acknowledge that you are grieving. Say, I'm hurting. You know, I can't pretend, I can't church my way through it. I can't shout my way through it. Now those things alleviate and help us for the time being, they do. I'm a praiser, I'm a worshiper all day long. When I was, came in and he was playing that worship music, he took everything within me to keep from laying out across this floor because it just takes me there. But, when I, but at the same time, it is okay to be honest and talk about your grief. You've got to acknowledge it. And we've got to admit that this is what we're feeling. And I always state for me, and not so much um, to make my story everybody else's story, because everybody has their own personal journey, but until I allowed myself to feel the loss of my late spouse, I wasn't healing. I was moving forward. But I uh, mentioned this on um, the other night, and I'm going to mention again, trying to move forward without acknowledging and uh, um, resolving your grief is like putting the excel your foot on the accelerator in your car and expecting the car to move and you have it in park or neutral. You're burning your tires, you're burning your wheels, but you're actually not moving forward. So you have to acknowledge your grief in order to feel it. And here's something that may help someone. A lot of times we're afraid to feel grief and sorrow because we think it's gonna overtake us. We think it's gonna make us lose our mind. We think it's gonna take us to the great beyond and where we can't come back from it. 
that's not true. It's actually your release when you do allow yourself to feel it. That is where your healing is going to start, is when you allow yourself to sit for a moment and sit in it and say, okay, this is it. And I can tell you, if you don't deal with your grief, your grief will deal with you. So we have to allow ourselves to feel it and be, allow ourselves to take that moment. And, and I share my story out to me after I had my, um, my husband passed away. I was his caregiver for five and a half months. Um, he died. You know, I was there by his bedside when he took his last breath. And I felt the initial relief. But then the grief came, but I kept going on autopilot. Because let me keep moving, because I still got children to raise. I still got bills are still coming in. I still got to take care of my house. As a matter of fact, I was moving at that time because he had gotten injured in the place we stayed, so I couldn't stay there any longer because of the memories and the triggers. So I needed to go somewhere else. I started a new job. Kids were in a new school. It was a lot. I had just had a new grandbaby. It was a lot going on. It was a lot going on. And I remember driving, um, I was going to a Joyce Meyer conference, matter of fact, in St. Louis. And I was driving and my late spouse is buried in um, Joyner, Arkansas, because that's where he is from originally. And I was driving to Arkansas, uh, excuse me, driving to Missouri, but that split on 65 between Memphis, because I would have taken the Memphis way versus St. Louis. And when I saw that Memphis side, I broke down. Thankfully, we were in traffic. And I just broke down and I cried. And that was the first time, it was probably almost six months later, before I allowed myself to feel what I needed to feel. Because I was so busy running, 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 trying to avoid the pain because I was afraid of where I thought it might take me. And I felt like I couldn't do it. I still got to be strong. And a lot of times for us parents, when you're raising children, you think, oh, I got to be strong. I got to be super. I said it, I think last time we're here, we can burn the cape. You don't have to be superwoman. You don't have to be superman. How about be superhuman? Let your kids see your humanity. That's where I messed up. If I can be honest, that's where I messed up. Because I took my kids to counseling, but me, myself, I didn't allow myself to cry around them because mom had to be tough. Mom had to fill in the spots now where dad is gone. So when they were hurting, oh, baby, you're going to be okay. We're going to make it. But that, while that was good and sounded good, they needed to be able to come to me and be able to cry. And they needed to be able to see me cry. Because for them, that would have taught them that mom really did love dad. She really is sad about it. But instead, they saw me working and moving and working and moving because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to feel it. And a lot of times we run from our grief because, again, we think it's going to take us down. I was so scared to feel it. I'm like, OK, God, I, I, I'm not sure if I can handle this. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm like, Lord, I saw him when he fell and had his injury. He flatlined four times within the first 30 days of being hospitalized. I was there for that. I saw him take his last breath. I saw him in, in all this, in the, before they took him off to the morgue, saw everything. I'm like, I don't know if I could take any more. But God had to allow me to feel it because God is still trustworthy. And he can handle your pain. He can handle your sorrow. We think God is good for just jumping and shouting and being a blessing. But no, he said, I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. He meant that. He meant that. And that was one of the things he um, told me, and not to get too 
distracted off of the PowerPoint because I'm going to want to at least wrap up in a sense that you all have a chance to share and talk and ask questions. But that was one of the things the Lord told me when I was battling that night and he was telling me, I'm going to take your husband. I said, God, I said, I don't know. I said, I can't do this. What do you expect me to do? I've never planned a funeral, blah, 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 blah. I've never been a widow. This is my first time being married. I only was married for five years. All of these questions, all these things I set before the Lord and asked him. And the one thing that he told me, he said, Jan, he said, I never promised you that man would not leave you. But I myself have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I need you to trust me. And it's because of God telling me that the reason I'm standing here today, it is truly the Lord that gives us strength to get through anything we go through. Even when we don't believe it ourselves. I had a shaking in my faith because I'm like, okay, God, now this is now you're asking me to trust you. I trust you for a lot of things. But this one right here, I'm going to need you to help me because I've never been here before. And that's the thing with grief. We haven't been here before. We may have not have felt that impact of the death. We didn't see it coming for some of us. Some of us, we didn't see that divorce coming. We didn't see that breakup. Or maybe we did see the handwriting on the wall, but our mind wasn't ready to accept it. It's still a grief. And now we have to deal with it. And so on the next slide, we're going to talk about um, seeking professional help, whether it's via grief or um, uh, grief coaching. I'm sorry about that, um, Dr. Hudson. So seek professional help, whether via grief therapy or grief coaching. At some point, you may get to the point where you can no longer... um, you're not able to move beyond that, seek therapy, seek help. We believe in God in therapy. Because if God didn't believe in physicians, why would he have Luke on his team? Luke was a physician. The Lord didn't tell him to give up his profession because he was following him. He used him for his service. And then on the next slide, we're going to talk about some self-care rituals that you can do to help yourself when you're going to alleviate the stress of grief. Some of those things is exercising. Get up and move. Even if it's just a little bit of stretching, it doesn't have to be anything strenuous. If you have a little dumbbell set or the um, barbells, just the handhelds, just do those little arm curls. Get those guns together, ladies and gentlemen. You know, do some little lightweight exercising because that releases endorphins and dopamine, which are those feel-good hormones in your body. And it helps your body heal because God actually made a lot of our healing properties in our bodies. Our bodies are magnificent. Our minds are magnificent. God is a genius. He's a super genius. Uh, So when he made us, (laughs) when he made us, he knew what he was doing. He put healing in us, but we got to get up and activate it. You got all that health and healing in you and you won't get up and activate it. Get up and activate your health and your healing. It's in you. It's inside of you. We've got access and we got tools inside of us that God has put in us. And then another thing that we can do um, is get adequate rest. I said this about caregiving. Schedule sleep. The reason I put schedule sleep on here beside get adequate rest is because sometimes, again, one of the symptoms of um, grief is depression. And so depression makes you not want to get up out of the bed. 
But when you set your alarm and say, no, I'm going to give myself my six to eight hours or however many hours you need for your age group, because it does vary. This is what I'm, the time I'm going to give myself, and then I'm going to force myself to get up. So that way you're starting a routine for yourself so you don't oversleep, which is going to cause you to be even more depressed. So you're activating, you're putting practical tools in place to help you to wake up and get up on time. Oh, here's another one that we like. Cry. Cry. There's healing in your tears. When you cry, you're releasing toxins out of your body. When you cry, the Lord said he bottles up our tears. There's a natural and a spiritual benefit to crying. Let it out. It releases the tension out of your body. Cry. Get that stress off of your mind. Get it off of your heart. Again, cry. Release. He said, weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. You can't get to the joy if you don't allow yourself to feel the grief and to go through that dark night. That's your bridge. Your tears are your bridge to your healing and it's your physical health as well. Eat healthy. We talked about that already, so I won't belabor that point because I'd have to work on that myself. So we're going to skip past that one quickly. (laughs) And this one may seem like, why would you say that? But I put it up there. Brush your teeth and wash your face. Get up and change your clothes. Because grief has a way of keeping you stuck in a, you don't feel like getting up. When you go through grief, you don't feel like doing anything. You don't want to brush your teeth. That's a chore. But take it one step at a time. Go and brush your teeth. Go put out a new shirt. Maybe something you haven't worn before or worn in a long time. Maybe something you've had saved for a special occasion. Pull it out. Put it on, even if you don't go anywhere except for in front of your mirror. Pull it out and put it on. What are we waiting for? We got all this stuff sitting up in our china cabinets and got plastic still on our furniture, some of us. I don't want anybody to mess up. Enjoy your furniture. Enjoy your china. And enjoy those fine clothes that's sitting up in there. I know y'all got them. (laughs) And I'm glad you all are doing that, that laughter. It's not up there. But laughter heals. Laughter releases. Uh, Minister Corey put a beautiful post out on Facebook the other day about laughter. If you haven't seen it, make sure you see it, love it, share it, because it was a powerful post. Laughter does good like a medicine. Laugh. I, I love laughter. I love, I have a sense of humor. I thank God he gave me a sense of humor. I will laugh. Somebody asked me at the work uh, other day. They said, are you a comedian on the side? I said, no, I just have a sense of humor. I'm like, good Lord. I'm like, what? I'm like, I need y'all to. <laughs> so laughter is good for us. Laughter. Spending time with safe people. Safe. Everybody's not safe to share your emotions with. Everybody can't handle your grief. And can I say something about that? Because a lot of times, and the Lord had to work on me with this, and then uh, my former first lady actually helped me too. She said, Jan, she said, when you go through your grief, she said, okay, now everybody's here right now, but do know that people will eventually have to go on with their lives. Don't hold that against them. That helped me not to become bitter in my grief. 
because sometimes we, we expect people to walk all the way through the journey with us. Well, you were here only, you only showed up at the funeral, but I haven't heard from you since then. Enjoy, uh, Dr. Moore says this, enjoy the three ounces, which means enjoy what people can give you. Be grateful. Some people can't handle it. And that's just the bottom line. Some stuff, honestly, we can't handle. We haven't always had the perfect words to say. I know I haven't. And then, some, and then be able to allow people, but when you are around people, get around people who are safe, who you can cry with, who will, and, and people even that may trigger you. And when I say trigger, I mean in a good sense, because sometimes we can cry too long. Did I just say that? I, oh, yeah, I did. And sometimes you need somebody to say, okay, all right, you've been crying for 12 hours. I need you to come on now. I need you to come on. Let's go on outside. Let's get some sunshine. You need good people like that in your life because they're trying to help you not to die in your grief. So you need those people in your life. Church, come on, keep coming to church. This is a beautiful church. I know you all have a beautiful ministry. I'll be listening to y'all. Right. So we go to your church. And when I say that, I know for some people, they may not go to church. You may be viewing or church has been an unsafe place for some. Because, again, we only look at grief in a one-sided way. And so when we're talking about grief, we're talking about um, also not only just death, but even divorce. And, and church becomes an unsafe place for those who are grieving divorce. Because now they're feeling judged. And we want to make our churches a place, a safe haven. We are a hospital that a wellness hub that we're trying to help people heal forward. Pray and meditate is another self-care routine to alleviate stress because that's your communication time with God. And I always say, you know, I have to tell on myself because one day I was going, oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, you know, we know how to pray. And the Lord told me, he said, I don't need that. He said, I just need you to be honest. Take the mask off. Get honest before God. You can leave your church lingo. When you go before God, God is your safe space. He's your refuge in the time of trouble. He said, you can be real with me. I'm not going to judge you, and I am the judge, but I'm not going to judge you. I know how you're feeling anyway, whether you say it or not. Don't forget, I know your thoughts from afar off. <laughs> so I know what you're thinking. So again, that time is your time to kind of release and sit with God and have that honest conversation. Lord, I don't like how this turned out. I don't like being alone. I don't like the struggles that I'm feeling because I'm by myself. Ask those questions. We always say, don't question God. No, I have a lot of questions. And I've asked my questions. <laughs> now, did he answer me on all of them? No, but he gave me peace with the ones he didn't answer to let me know that his will was best at the end of the day even when I couldn't see it. And so that pray and meditate. Get involved in community and church activities. Surround yourself with people and places that are moving and doing things. I don't know about you all, I get motivated being around other people. And I know something, and, and believe it or not, I'm actually, I'm an ambivert. So that's an introvert and an um, extrovert. So I'm an ambivert, so I can, I can get up and talk and, oh, but when I get by myself, I'm like, okay, that's it. That's enough. All right, let me go sit in my closet. <laughs> no, I'm not. Now, I'm not a recluse. <laughs> I'm an introvert. So. <laughs> and so um, develop a new hobby. 
What have you always wanted to do that you've never done before? Or that you felt like you couldn't do because you were caregiving? Or because you were in that marriage? Or because you did have this going on and that going on? What is it that you can try new now? What new routine, what new habit can you develop? Develop yourself. We're never too old to learn. Never to, please don't despise where you're at in your life right now. You're never too old to learn. You're never too old. I went back to school here, what, 2019, after being out of school for so many years. Didn't know how I was going to do it. I'm like, Lord, now you're going to have to help me because this has been a long time. And ended up going to school, completed two associate degrees in this one year because of God. But, because, but it taught me new things, and it, and it gave me new experience, and it helped me with my grief. It helped me to move forward. And then also take a nature walk or a nature drive since it's getting cold outside. Go out and see these pretty Christmas lights. You know, if that's a trigger for you, then maybe go somewhere else and, and just get out, get that fresh air, that breath of fresh air. Get outside your home sometimes. You know, sometimes we're afraid, and some people have remained um, inside and secluded. But since the pandemic, they've been afraid to go back out. But that's actually, we want to make sure we're getting out. We're engaging with people. We're talking because that helps your brain, and it keeps your brain to keep working and functioning when you're talking and you're getting to know people, and that helps prevent Alzheimer's. It helps prevent dementia. When we're up and we're active, we're meeting and we're doing and we're going out and exploring. So do those things for yourself. How does professional therapy or counseling help you navigate grief? It provides a safe space for you to express your grief without fear of judgment. Uh, therapists have many hours of clinical expertise and training in human behavior, psychology, and other modalities that can help provide practical tools and skills that help you manage your grief and in some cases where needed, therapists can prescribe medication. Now, I am a grief coach. I'm not a uh, grief therapist. So, um, but, so there is a difference. Uh, the main difference is that the uh, therapist has more clinical expertise, and they can prescribe medication. And so they deal with a lot of your past and so forth and so on. And with the coach, you actually walk through the grief. I meet you where you're at and help you to process that grief. So that's the main difference, because I know people always say, well, what's the difference? And so I just want to provide that education as well, too. Some faith-based practices, and trust me, we're almost finished. Um, and then I'll open up the floor, and we're going to have a, a comfortable little setting. I'm going to pull up a chair here, and I'm going to sit down with you guys, and I'm going to let you all talk and ask questions. So faith-based practices that can help alleviate grief, some of these we've already talked on. Prayer and meditation, again, that helps you to release that emotional buildup. Um, of grief-related stress, because grief is stress. It's stress. So you need to get it out of your body. Whether you're exercising, when we talked about exercising earlier, that's even dance. Dance is a form of exercise. Get up and turn your music on and hey, you know, get the move and that's exercise. And you're moving and you're releasing stress out of your body. Praise is another one. Turn on some good praise music in your house. If you don't turn on music in your house, if you never thought about it, because we're so busy sometimes, we don't think we just turn on the TV and keep it moving. Turn on some worship music. Turn on some praise music. Clap your hands. Stomp your feet, almost like you're in church, but in your own house. Make your house a sanctuary. Enjoy, because it seems to lift the whole spirit of the house. 
when you do that. And that helps aid in your healing as well too. Reading and meditating on scripture, remind yourself of what God said. Because even though everything else may fall apart, God's word is consistent. And that helps us to have that foundation and that stability when we have those difficult moments. And then um, some other faith-based practices that can help alleviate grief is that I put on there diverse support groups. I love the fact that you all have the um, caregiver support group that is so needed because we don't have it a lot. And unfortunately, I have to say in our African-American, our black and brown communities, you don't see that a lot in our churches. But again, we're growing to um, start including those. But having the diverse support groups for the divorcees, you know, for the caregivers, for the bereaved that goes beyond just the meal that we provide. You know, are, you che- are we checking in on them after so many months, six months down the line, a year later? Are we checking to see how they're doing?